0: NGOs, and everything in between. We'll be taking a deep dive to learn how they are integrating purpose into their organizations to benefit both business and society for enduring impact. Join us. Today, we have a special treat for you. Martin Whitaker, CEO of Just Capital, just returned from Davos a week ago, and we really wanted to continue our conversation with him about how Just Capital is advancing the stakeholder-based capitalism movement through their definitive data and rankings to help companies benchmark and improve performance, as well as making the business and investment case to incentivize change. I love in Just Capital's 2019 recap, which I suggest anybody should look at, and we'll put it in our show notes, that you said this absolutely very well-stated point. 2020 will be the year business and markets move from rhetoric to reality, from aspiration to action. Show me will be the operative phase. So I know that, Martin, you went to Davos for the first time and you were busy. You had over three formal events. You were a first-timer at Davos. It's their 50th anniversary year. The theme was a cohesive and sustainable world. So what was your first impression about being in that beautiful location with such substantive issues?
1: So it's, it's, uh, thank you, Carol, and thank you, thank you for having me on the, on the podcast. The, the event at Davos to me was like many other sort of large events now. I didn't get the sense that I was having sort of such a, a unique experience in, a, in an elite, high powered environment. I felt like it was, it was a big convening of lots of people from the corporate and financial and the, and the policy worlds coming together to talk about big global issues. Obviously, it's not my first time at a big event or a big conference, so it had many of the hallmarks that any, anyone listening to this who's been to large events would, would recognize. I think what made it special was you're in this place where it's really hard to get to. Security are everywhere. It's sort of, you're aware of the presence of world leaders, but you know, you, if you're normal like me, you really don't get to hang out with them. Um, so... It's almost as much you know. The rumors about what was happening at Davos were just as rife in Davos as they were you know as they are when you're when you're not in Davos. So, um, so there's a lot happening. You know, the bulk of the folks there, I felt like because you're in this this environment for which is pretty self contained for a few days, people tend to open up. You tend to have really easy access to folks and. Things come together because people want them to come together. So there's a mindset about getting things done. I Mm. felt it was very it was a really sort of breath of fresh air in terms of a desire to really try and do something substantial and serious and not just talk. So that was the biggest you know, I've been to many, many events where I've come away thinking, not sure that was worth the trip or or that was a great, you know, conversation, but what actually happens when you get back to work, I felt like this was more substantive than that. So that, that, that was
0: good. Um, talk about your, your events. And so you had a formal event with WEF and certainly um, as a world leader in evolving capitalism, I mean, you are a leader. And so um, can you, you know, how was the event? I know that Paul Tudor Jones was speaking at that event. How, how was um, your premise um, ac- accepted?
1: Yeah, so it was it was very good uh, because what we were talking about was one really one of the core themes of the entire event and and something that Klaus Schwab, you know, is central to his vision of a stakeholder uh, economy. So, um, so you know, the work we've been doing over the last six years at Just Capital sort of was was front and center. Um, not just on the agenda, but really in the DNA of what WEF mm. is trying to accomplish. So Paul uh, did uh, a formal event on the main stage at the Congress Center with the global president and CEO of EY, Carmine DeCivio. Um That was moderated by Sarah Williamson from um, uh, FCLT and uh, focusing capital on the long term. And then um, when we had a breakfast uh, moderated uh, by the FT, Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson, uh, with Carmine and Paul, that was at one of the hotels, you know, extremely well-attended breakfast. And, you know, where, where we really had this, this conversation about what are we seeing, what is EY seeing? Now, of course, EY is one of the big four that had embraced WEF's metric system or a simplified um, standard for trying to measure corporate stakeholder performance, which was launched during that week. So, so we had a good inside look at what that was. We talked about, at a high level, why it's important and what Just Capital is doing to measure companies on that. We looked at it from the investor standpoint. Um, we also had an event with Forbes my colleague, Allison Omens, spoke at that with Paul, the CEO of Verizon, and Randall Lane from Forbes. And they, they, they're your partner for the Just 100. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Forbes and Just launched the Just 100 every year together. That gave us uh, a, a strong formal program. That, uh, around that, I know Paul attended three or four dinners and other events Including the New York Times dinner, which was um, one of the highlights, I think, of the whole week, uh, with Andrew Ross Sorkin and uh, Dan Schulman from PayPal. I attended another PayPal dinner, a dinner with Axios. So a lot of these small sided, and by small sided, I mean sort of fifteen to twenty five people um, events, as well, where you know major themes were discussed.
0: So great, the conversations there, big venues, smaller venues, probably also some um, you know meeting somebody on the street or a hotel lobby. But how do you move from aspiration to action well
1: i think the the The, the message that we were sort of hammering home, which I think spoke to that, was first of all, we need to agree on. How are you know? How are we actually going to measure a stakeholder economy? What, what does it even mean? And of course, that's what we've been doing. So we were right. one of the few organizations to be able to bring concrete data to the table to be able to say we are measuring companies on the public and what they feel. So we were able to connect this this aspiration of stakeholder mm-hmm. uh, behavior. Right down to you know main street America and what what yeah. ordinary folks sort of think of that you know, what do they think that means, and that was very refreshing there are very few i think organizations bringing forth this sort of bottom up approach of yeah. of of you know um trying to harness you know the general public's support for this, so we weren't sort of quibbling in the clouds around <laughs> metrics and which standards and who had the better uh, framework this was sort of like no no, no th- this is what the public want and then to be able to put data behind that so I'll give you a concrete example you know weF's uh, the international business coalition uh, the 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 committee the the group that had developed the simplified framework we've already been covering 20 of the 22 issues that they identified we have data going back several years, so we were able to sort of talk about actual performance of companies on those things. And so right. I was going to a meeting, had uh, you know, the research team here in New York conduct work to help us figure out, well, let's have a look at how big companies are actually doing on these things and then present that data at the meeting. Once you start to begin to put up a league table or to be able to put up data mm-hmm. that shows what companies are actually doing, you tend to yep. get action. It tends to motivate our response. And then the last thing I'd say on that is my sense, Carol, just working the hallways and the receptions and in the evening, you know, people have had a drink or two and are trying to open up was that people really were tired of the endless talk around different ways to move forward and different, different approaches and frameworks. It was, it was time for action. And, we were at a, we were at a, several events one night where it just seemed to be sort of, I, I think people's patience just running very close to the end where, okay, we need to move forward. Let's not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. Let's develop a, a simple way to try and just begin to measure progress and then to
0: begin to hold companies and, and other actors in this to account. Can you say, even if it's not the company, it might be an industry um anything really concrete that came out of your discussions um or presentations
1: well w- we've been talking to a small number of companies are out conducting a financial distress test. How many of your employees are under you know living in a in a state of acute financial distress, and we discussed that at the paypal dinner uh, the paypal lunch mm-hmm. dan shulman has been a champion of this we talked about that we showcased his work i think for the first time on this uh, issue on uh, cnbc squawk box that became the talk of davos or what dan is doing that turned into okay great how can other companies emulate that and so there was a conversation that where, uh, where this this notion of okay well why don't we create a movement around that? Why don't we uh, have companies commit to mm-hmm. conducting among their employee base a simple distress test just so that people know how many of their employees are in this situation and then you can figure out what, if anything, to do about it. And did you get companies to sign up? We're in Remember the process that? of doing that right now, Carol, literally. Right. You know, we, we, we know that PayPal wants to champion this. We we're working with them to try and put a program together. We know that Paul Paul Jones, our chair, is mm-hmm. you know very much behind it um, because at the end of the day, it's such a good test of whether we really do have a just economy mm-hmm. or not. You know, when people talk about stakeholder performance, business roundtable signatory CEO, you've mm-hmm. just said to the world that your purpose, your very purpose is to create value for all your stakeholders. Your workers, we know are certainly, according to our research, your most important stakeholder, because without them, not a lot gets done, quite honestly. If you have employees and you're, you're a, you're a Fortune 500 company and you have employees that are still relying on government support and food stamps to make right. ends meet, you know, mm-hmm. shame on you. And so, so I think, that sort of stands out as being a, a very simple, just a test case of right. of of how this all comes together in 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 glorious sort of Technicolor, right? Like if that's just not fair, that cannot be a situation where you know we feel proud about the economy that we've built if that's the norm. So so just dealing with that one issue. So that's that's I, I give you that as a concrete example of something that. You know, practical thing companies can do, leaders can can do those things, and there are real human beneficiaries on the other side. Did you go to Davos with that
0: idea already percolating?
1: We went yeah, we did. We went to Davos with with the with the the message that A, we want to bring the voice of the public to Davos because that's who we represent. Mm -hmm. We knew that this was a really important issue. We know from our own research that there are many, many workers at Russell one thousand companies that um, you know, are suffering. And we we felt like this is where the rubber hits the road. So yeah, we we have that as a program idea. We went there to sort of figure out, quite honestly, you know, does this does this have legs? You know, are we mm-hmm. are we sort of like um, you know, just drinking our own Kool-Aid here, or right, is this something right. that is is real. No, I, I got the sense that absolutely. Every time I talked about that, I mentioned that at dinners, we talked about mm-hmm. this in and, and the, you know, in the, in the hallways and people just love that idea. So, so I think we can turn that into something real, but it's something that crystallized, I think, as a, as a real thing, uh, at Davos for us.
0: How many companies do you feel you need to have commit to that so that you can then say, okay, we're ready to launch? You
1: know, that's a great question. I, I, I hesitate to put a number because it looks like we don't hit that number, then we fail. But are we talking 10? Are we talking 100? Somewhere in between. No, I think we're talking 10, not 100. The, the whole thing about just is change at scale. That's why we focus on big corporations. So okay. we want companies, you know, that it might be uncomfortable for them because mm-hmm. they may have l- larger numbers of employees that fall into that category or, or, or the path forward on what to do might not be clear. But, but we, we, we live in a time where courage is needed and people have to have the courage of their convictions. And so, unfortunately, asking these uncomfortable you know, questions uh, mm-hmm. is what is needed. So I, I think if we got the right 10 or 12 mm-hmm. right. or 8 companies and the right CEOs willing to say, you know what, we're going to do this, uh, it it could really turn into a movement where you get 100 very quickly.
0: Did you um, hear of any other real action-oriented ideas that were being either floated or signed onto at Davos, My, you know, beyond yours?
1: Oh, th- there were so many. I mean, I, I, the climate was another area of, of major activity. Um, Greta was there. It was a major topic of debate. There wasn't one CEO who sort of seemed willing to do anything other than everything that was needed to save the climate. So it's sort of like you know, it it felt like there was a lot of heady talk about addressing that issue and lots of commitments. I again, I we saw a lot of individual companies using Davos to make announcements about things that they were doing. You know, lots on that theme. The uh, you know gender issues and gender equity issues very important, um, throughout as well. You know, um, it's, Davos is not the most representative stage, uh, in terms of, um, you know, women participation, minority participation in the formal or the informal stages. So that, that's something that I know WEF wants to be better at, but I think there were, there were honestly tons of, you know, really strong, passionate ideas and and really cool stuff. But I felt like Just was at the vanguard. I felt like mm-hmm. we were there with a lot of humility because you know I traveled with a couple of colleagues as well as Paul, and we we were we wanted to listen as much as speak, mm-hmm. and we really wanted to sort of get a sense of well, are we are we too far off here? Are we are we out? Is the polling result? That we're getting from from the polling is that taking us off in a direct direction that doesn't feel doable, but none of those things felt right. I felt like we I, I came back very emboldened that we were on the right path, and actually that American that the American sort of contingent there was was not behind the curve. I, I hear this a lot, and this is be counterintuitive that, that the rest of the world is way further ahead on a lot of issues. It may be true on things like climate politically, but I I got the sense that, actually, we are not behind on our thinking on really how to move markets in support of stakeholder capitalism. I didn't feel as though we were somehow catching up. I, I, I felt as though we have a real chance of leadership and that, forget about your politics, I just felt like everyone there realized that, the business is going to be better. We need to get the pie growing for more people. Mm-hmm. That's an essentially American thing. And that actually was a vision that the rest of the world could learn from America from, as opposed to America playing catch up. So that seemed like a surprise to you. I guess now I'm talking about it somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, one always presumes that we're, we're behind here because we're, we're, you know, we get consumed with our own, you know, our own domestic agenda, which is very powerful and very divisive and very emotive right now. And when you step into the international uh, stage, you get a perspective on that. You know, I've i felt pretty good about our understanding of the issues, and I felt like we were talking about things which really were going to move the needle on the international stage, and that that getting it right here. Really, could
0: uh, provide leadership for the rest of the world. Did you find any other analogs of other organizations that are like Just Capital, but they're operating in other countries?
1: Many fo- many folks focus on individual issues that were doing phenomenal work. There was a group focused on uh, human rights and and the the impact that big companies are having on cultural sites of cultural you know importance and relevance around the world. Um, So lots of very, very important uh, but narrower issue-specific groups working on really important things. I didn't feel as though I encountered anyone who was really trying to address core systemic problems and having the, the kind of influence that... That, that, that I hope we're having and that we obviously we want to have a lot more
0: of. Um, now that you've gone through Davos and uh, with a lot of momentum behind uh, stakeholder-based capitalism, what would you do? What are you going to do next year?
1: I realize that there, there are lots of media and large corporations who really value thought leadership on all the issues that we're tracking. So next year, I would really begin to try and Create um, a stronger coalescence of on on, on a program or pr- mm-hmm. a program work that brought together some of the big players, um, okay. as opposed to you know I felt like we did that a little bit, but um, it is a place where people's mindsets are different, and I think you I think there is there is room uh, you know and next year will be interesting. Of course, we'll either be living under the beginning of, know, uh, a new Trump administration or a new Democrat administration. And so the world will be different in that regard coming at it from an American perspective. So so I, I think uh, next year will be, either way you look at it, if you did a little bit of scenario planning, um, all about... What is business supposed to do in this in this new reality? You know, is the mm-hmm. pendulum really swung back, or are we now really f- more focused on business having to do more? Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see where we end up. But but I know that um, next year, you know, I think putting together a more uh, orchestrated program. Of events on one thing, so you could say this is the specific concrete action that is now coming out of Davos, not necessarily being just sort of launched uh, without context at Davos. That's that's what I would focus on, and we, you know, we, we have some ideas on what that could be.
0: And and how about three recommendations for companies who um, they've been going to Davos, but to go from um, rhetoric to reality?
1: Well, I I, I think. Um you know Davos just becomes a place where that that is showcased it doesn't replace what you do day in day out week in week out i I, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I don't think my advice would be any different than if it was you know if we weren't talking about Davos which is moving from rhetoric to reality requires you to identify goals set targets measure what matters and then be transparent and accountable and disclose data so that people can see what you're doing You know that's what that's what just is doing day in day out ourselves Mm -hmm. measuring companies on these things. I think what when it comes to an occasion like Davos, you could say, okay, what do we really stand for? What are our objectives? How can we create something bigger than ourselves and use Mm -hmm. Davos as a way to create momentum behind that? Would I go again? Absolutely. Did I think it was time well spent? Completely. The secret is to just put yourself out there. Once you get there, you can figure a lot out. Like. You know, we ended up going to events and being able to get invitations to activities where we had we had no, you know, we we, we did not plan for, but which turned out to be incredibly fruitful. So, if you can find a way to just get there, mm-hmm. um, then you know, you
0: can really make things happen if you're resourceful. How how far has your reputation traveled in terms of on a global basis with these leaders?
1: It's, it's hard to say, Carol. I, I I just like to think that we're on the map um i think what we're doing is relevant uh i sense a huge opportunity i think if just can get the right you know sense of if we can get our the right partnerships together the right resources behind the organization we have a shot obviously we're not the panacea we we need to work with others to do this but i feel like you know the world is sort of waking up to this idea that we got to do things a little differently and and you know, stakeholder capitalism is not like it's not some big scary thing. It's actually quite doable, and it, it you know, it, there's a lot in it for for everybody. So, so, so yeah. No, I'm I'm much I'm very optimistic coming back. Well, that that's good.
0: And then, how does this make you feel professionally?
1: You know, this this is just for me. Uh, I guess a validation of the mission of the organization. I feel as though the hard work that the team is doing here is really paying off and, and, uh, you know, there's a, you know, a fulfillment, a sense of fulfillment around that, but, you know, work is never done. This is a big opportunity. I feel, you know, t- the time is now and we have a real responsibility to grasp it. So it, it, it's good. It, it was, it it's, it's good to be out, you know, talking to high level folks about how to really begin to move to action. But ultimately, you know, this comes down to,
0: just grinding it day in, day out and making sure that it happens. Well, I think the movement is very, very fortunate to have you leading it through just capital. Obviously, there are other leaders. Um, I know, here's one last question, which is unrelated to Davos, but I've been asked this by large, privately held companies. Um, Your data follows public companies and the large private ones say, when will you start following private companies?
1: it's It's just a resource question, Carol. We, we could begin to follow private companies uh, once we once we're able to get sort of a clearer picture on how to do that um, at scale. what What I'm not a fan of is a piecemeal response. If, if we're going to begin to do that it needs to be done in a way that is is scalable, uh, and that requires resources. You know, as a CEO, it's not responsible of me to sort of take us in a direction unless I can really see that long term this is going to lead to large scale success. The other thing I'll say to that is, if there are private companies that listen to this, who really do you know want to be examined, or it, it, you know feel as though the Just Framework could benefit them, be of value to them. We do have a toolkit, and we do have the ability to say, you know, let's let you know, we'll make our our data and our framework available to you, and then you can benchmark yourselves. So we're not going to be necessarily, you know, it's not easy for us to begin to cover private companies on a piecemeal basis, but one-on-one, if if private companies said, look, I want to I want to see how I do, I want to know, do I compare well or or poorly, or what does best practice look like in my industry on these things? We absolutely can help them. So anyone, any private company listening to this that, you know, wants to sort of benchmark itself. Reach out to me um, and uh,
0: let's figure out how to do that. That's terrific. And I know that also publicly held companies who want to understand their rankings, um, the Just 100 Index, that you are always just so gracious about having them reach out to you um, to learn more. So I want to thank you. I know we just we've snuck this in I know you're really really busy following Davos but this is actually a great conversation thank you so much Uh, you're a wonderful standard bearer for stakeholder based capitalism and also for bringing the voice of the public to Davos and also the fact that you brought something very specific Um, we're going to keep our eye out for the financial distress test um, and we'll ask you periodically how that's going Um, once you announce it we'd love to have you back on the show And again, thank you very much for all that you're doing, uh, Martin Whitaker.
1: Thank you, Carol. The, The pleasure and the privilege is all mine.